Welcome to Raise the Line with Osmosis from Elsevier, seeking solutions with leading experts on how to increase healthcare capacity so people can get the care they need during the pandemic and beyond. Hi, everybody. I'm Michael Caris. I don't know about you, but I find dealing with health insurance to be confusing and complicated, and I spent more than a decade working in the healthcare system, so I should be doing better than that. So I just cannot imagine trying to navigate that complexity in something other than my native language. But that's the reality that millions of Americans face, and it's a real barrier to access to the health care that they need and deserve. Well, knocking down those barriers is where our guest today enters the picture. Myung Lee is co-founder and CEO of Clever Care Health Plan, a culturally sensitive Medicare Advantage plan that's tailored to the customs, values, and linguistic needs of the diverse communities it serves. Mr. Lee brought many years of experience launching and leading healthcare organizations to his work at Clever Care with special expertise in building provider relationships and in contracting. And we're very glad to have you on the program with us today. Thank you so much for having me, Michael. Great to have you. So we always start with uh, getting some personal and professional background from our guests. What uh, first got you interested in the health plan space? You know, when I I was originally in New York City doing mergers, acquisitions, and, you know, stock research and whatnot, and I had an interest in learning how to run a real company. And and then when I thought about what was interesting to me, you know, I really wanted an industry that was complex, changing, and makes an impact. And I just by chance got contacted by a recruiter from WellCare, uh, which is a national Medicare, Medicaid company saying, hey, we're looking for someone with your type of background don't have to know insurance, which is good because I didn't know a thing about insurance. <laughs> and, but if you're willing to learn, you'll learn by doing. And you know, when I took a step back and thought about what was attractive to me, I, my thesis was very simple, which was the, the senior population is ever-growing. And back in 2007, you know, Medicare was not quote unquote sexy place <laughs> you know it, it wasn't you know quite well understood um, very large even back then of course but it was forecast to get to get even larger and when I thought about what I enjoyed in the in the job that I had in the career that I had developed to the point uh, a lot of those aspects were you know part of you know what it would take to be uh, to learn Medicare the thing I didn't realize, which I'm happy about, is just how challenging it is because there's so many factors involved with understanding Medicare, the impact to seniors, the, the financing behind it, how it constantly has changed the last 15 years, the amount of change for the better that's happened in the program, to me, is has been one, one of the biggest reasons why I've been so happy that I, I made this transition because it's very challenging. It makes a massive positive impact if you do it the right way. And ultimately, I wanted to be able to get into a business where in my own small way, I uh, tried to help out as many people as I could. And I, quite frankly, I, I feel like I stumbled into uh, Medicare, but I've been doing it uh, for the last 15 years now and very excited that I had the opportunity to do that. 
Oh, that's great. So talk a little bit about some of those positive changes that you mentioned over the last 15 years. What did you have in mind? Yeah, so I think some of the some of the biggest changes, uh, you know, so Medicare Advantage uh, is really the private, the privatized version of Medicare, original Medicare. And what you've seen happen over the last 10, 15 years is that as compared to Medicare, original Medicare, there's just a lot more flexibility. The supplemental benefits that CMS allows is really fundamentally different from what um, you know, original Medicare currently offers, which is, you know, they have their base offering and that's what they do. And, and that's really what allowed me um, and my co-founders to take that step of being crazy enough to say, you know, let's create a Medicare Advantage health plan, in our case, catering towards towards seniors who are interested in Eastern medicine, right? And and all the, everything else that it brings with that. And I do think the, the increase in flexibility, the increase in supplemental benefits have really helped a lot of seniors. It's demonstrated in the numbers. Uh, Medicare Advantage has grown significantly, you know, from when it once started to now. I would say almost 50%, if not more, are now of seniors are enrolled in Medicare Advantage plans. And, you know, it helps them financially. It, it's helped them from a quality perspective. And it's helped them uh, being able to get access to supplemental benefits that they actually use and, and truly benefits them. And I think that's been probably one of the biggest changes and one of the big reasons why Medicare Advantage has become such an attractive product to seniors. You know, you do hear on the positive side, folks talk about more of an emphasis on prevention and giving seniors, you know, access to wellness classes or balance classes. Is that part of what you're talking about? That, 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 that's exactly right. So, you know, one, one of the premise of Clever Care is, you know, being able and allowing uh, seniors, in our case, you know, 90 plus percent of our seniors or members uh, speak an Asian ethnic language, right? English might be a second language or quite frankly, just it's not a language they speak. And so when myself and my co-founders, when we looked at the different offerings uh, within Medicare, I would call call that, you know, the supplemental benefits were pretty solid, but didn't really speak to someone like my parents, right? Um, you know, my parents certainly have never been to a gym. You know, they're, they're not going to Gold's Gym to work out and whatnot. That's not what they <laughs> and, and so, you know, when we saw the opportunity to be able to allow seniors to be able to practice healthcare the way they want to, right? Access to herbal medicine, you know, Tai Chi classes or motion classes, right? It felt like there was an opportunity there beyond just the supplemental benefits, but being able to fundamentally provide access for these seniors that don't speak English as a first language. You know, what we've done is effectively my company is bilingual in multiple languages korean vietnamese mandarin cantonese spanish and everything that we built everything that we do is based off that premise of uh, kind of meeting the senior where they are and being able to give them what they need in the language that they prefer give them the type of benefits that um you know they might not have currently have access to or they can't afford and being able to provide that through 
um, or Medicare Advantage Health Plan, I think it's made a big difference. Oh, I'm sure that it has. So we've talked a little bit about the non-Western, quote-unquote, offerings that Medicare has been open to, but how does Clever Care integrate what we refer to in the United States as Western medicine versus Eastern medicine? That's right. So on the Western medicine side, we have our Medicare benefits are, you know, they're wonderful benefits. And we have incredible provider partners, you know, between the hospitals, the IPA partners, the PCP specialists, all the ancillary providers. But what we've done in particular is to make sure that not only do we have the top hospital systems, but we also have highlighted and contracted with uh, hundreds of acupuncturists, right? Um, who speak multiple languages. We, we've also contracted with dozens of herbalists, right? So we've gone beyond your typical kind of uh, Western delivery network by making sure that we have the providers in the neighborhoods where the majority of our members live. As an example, in uh, Koreatown and downtown LA, or Little Saigon and or in Orange County, or in San Gabriel Valley, we've made a concerted effort to make sure that we have a ton of network providers for our members to be able to access. But we also know, and I know personally through my own experience with my parents, that they also prefer using herbal medicine, right? They grew up, uh, in, in my parents' case, in Korea, utilizing certain herbal medicines to kind of as an adjunct to uh, taking care of themselves. And so, you know, what we've done is gotten approval from CMS to offer it as a benefit. And, you know, what we see happening in the community is that, uh, especially within the, within the Asian community, the PCPs tend to work pretty closely with the, with the acupuncturists oh. and they communicate and uh, they're aware of kind of what's happening between the two of them and the member will let them know what's happening as well. The member gets access to the type of healthcare that they're accustomed to, right? But at the same time, we have some of the best Western medicine so that, you know, some, something happens um, or members are able to access that care as well. Yeah, it's a great symbiotic relationship if you can pull that off. That's right. Not not easy, but, you know, is, you know, when, when we launched the company, I just, I saw the challenges that my parents had and it was very easy to see how this could be so challenging for um, so many other people. We looked around the country, didn't really see uh, any options for people who are looking for this type of product and service and felt and maybe it's a little crazy, but so we felt like there was a great opportunity here. And um, here we are a few years later. So it sounds like you have a built-in focus group of two there with your parents. You can run everything by them, right? That's right. And, and certainly, um, you know, my parents uh, don't live in California, so they're not on my plan. But um, I do have other family members that are. And I can certainly tell you, they let me know when things are good or bad. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's great about family. That's right. So you have kind of alluded to the fact that you hit that the timing was good for getting in as Medicare Advantage plans uh, grew and you've found a, a need in the market. So how are you doing from a business perspective and what are your plans for growth? Yeah. So, you know, we had the amazing luck of launching the company during COVID, during the COVID lockdown in, in uh, California. You know, so we started out the gate with 500 members 
And since then, we've really grown significantly. You know, as of today, we are now uh, with having been in business for two years and a couple months, we're over 11,000 members wow. in Southern California. And there clearly is a, a met need, um, you know, from this population. You know, we just feel lucky that we have the opportunity to be able to provide the seniors with a product and a service that is very difficult. Uh, for for most companies to be able to uh, to to produce, what challenges do you have still? Whether it's dealing with Medicare or you know reaching out to potential members, what are the hurdles you got to overcome? Yeah, so we tend to have more members that have never been a part of a Medicare Advantage Health Plan before, so there tends to be kind of a higher learning as people try to figure out how to access their benefits. You know, the way we've kind of, you know, gone around that is by effectively teaching the members. And, you know, I think one of the biggest uh, hurdles that other seniors have had, they call their insurance company, it's hard enough already. I mean, you know, you call any insurance company, it's hard to figure out kind of what's going on, much less when it's not your language and you're using a translator. Right. So the fact that we have uh, in-language support uh, across the board, what was done is it's allowed um, our members to be able to call us. We have multiple community centers where they could literally just walk in the door and ask for help with kind of anything, right? Mm -hmm. uh, we've had, I've seen seniors come in and say, can you, can you look at this bill? Like, what does this mean? I don't know what it says. Right. <laughs> and that, that, you know, that is the purpose of the community centers and being able to kind of take away those language barriers so that we can help them navigate accessing healthcare, which by itself is already very difficult. I think what's done is uh, really given our members uh, a way for them to take care of themselves and they feel comfortable and empowered to be able to call us themselves versus previously, they might have their adult children who speak English call on their behalf, but there's right. always something lost in translation. Sure. And for them to be able to just call a specific phone number and know that someone's going to pick up in their language, I think what's done is made people feel more comfortable about how they're able to access healthcare. Yeah, that's very empowering. So you, you launched your business during COVID. We launched this podcast during COVID. And uh, so we have been kind of focused on talking about what lessons have been learned about the healthcare system and particularly ways to strengthen it and improve it. So I want to give you a chance to talk about that a little bit, particularly with the senior population in mind. Yeah. So I, I think when you go back to the kind of the craziness of COVID and what it did, it really just highlighted how difficult it is to be able to access healthcare, especially when you're you're told you, you need to stay home, right? So, you know, what you've seen over the last few years is just both from a regulatory perspective, but also from a prov provider perspective, allowing members and patients to be able to get the healthcare needs kind of where they need it, right? And, and, and sometimes it's within the home and sometimes, uh, it's somewhere be, besides the the provider's office, right? There's, there's, I think because of COVID, uh, there's, there's just a lot more flexibility, you know, with all the telehealth that's become available, 
And you know, some of the key things that we've been working on is making sure that our seniors get access to the same options and flexibility, but in a culturally sensitive manner, right? So someone who comes to their door and speaks their language, right? They understand their culture. So they understand how to interact with them. That makes a significant difference in terms of, you know, people, seniors feeling comfortable uh, with being able to get access to healthcare. And, sure. you know, while there's you know, so many horrible things that happened because of COVID, um, I do think what it did was uh, show that, you know, with flexibility and creativity, we, we could provide our seniors with very high levels of care and kind of breaking out of your typical access. Yeah, no, there are some silver linings for sure. So Osmosis is a teaching company, and, and we love to bust myths and fill gaps in knowledge. Is there a topic you're particularly interested in where you think it would be great if medical students and the medical community got this and, and knew this and they don't now? So I, I've had this thought for many years. Um, at some point, I hope to be able to do it. But I do feel like medical schools need to have a class around how the financing of healthcare works and truly what the direct impact is on the practitioners, uh, the, health, the healthcare practitioners, because it does have, you know, quite the significant and direct you know, impact on their careers and their jobs and their day-to-day -day activities and how things work. I mean, to compare uh, a fee-for-service reimbursement model versus a, a risk-based model, truly two fundamentally different models. Um, not to say that anything is perfect, it certainly isn't, but for medical students to not have exposure and understand the options that are available to them, I mean, it would make, a, in my mind, a significant impact if you find out, if you know early on that you go and work in a kind of fee-for-service environment your, your 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 day job is literally in seven to ten minute increments, right? And yeah. that's that's probably not what most people think of when they see themselves as a primary care physician, right? Versus if you're in the risk based model, you're focusing your attention more on the, on the people who need more help, right? And you're able to give them more time. Not to say it's perfect, it certainly isn't, right? But having that knowledge of how these uh, financing models have such a profound impact on how you practice. I, I think that's education that every medical student, and quite frankly, any healthcare practitioner, they, I feel like it's something that they need to understand, especially with how uh, the financing mechanisms within all healthcare is, you know, really quickly changing. No, that's a great point. And, you know, I think a lot of medical students might not understand that in value-based care and these risk models, the providers have a lot more say. They have a lot more control and input into decision-making. They don't have the insurance company looking over their shoulder about every single thing they do. And COVID was a great example. We had some guests on that were in a value-based model and talked about speaking to the senior population. They wanted their seniors to stay home and stay safe and not go get groceries and not go pick up their prescriptions. So this practice was able to pay for renting vans and hiring mm -hmm. drivers to go around and do that. And mm -hmm. under fee-for-service, there was no code, there was no way that they were going to get reimbursed for that. So I uh, I hope it's something that's understood at the medical school level, that this is actually, and again, 
as you say, nothing's perfect, but it certainly addresses some of that frustration that physicians have. Like I'm, I'm just in such a tight little box time-wise and also in terms of what I'm allowed to do. And value-based care sort of offers a different landscape. That, that's exactly right. And, you know, when, when you just look at the outcomes, you know, when, when you have a value-based care or a risk arrangement in place where you align the physician with, you know, effectively the, the health outcomes of, of the, the patients, it just, it ha- it's a different way of thinking, right? And the way you allocate your time is fundamentally different. Um, you need a lot of infrastructure to be able to deploy and implement that type of uh, arrangement. But in, in the end, with, with the way healthcare, the costs and how it's accelerating, you know, we do, I, I do believe that we have to continue to drive towards more value-based care models. And there's a ton of them, right? Um, but at this point, getting away from fee-for-service and going down that risk continuum, I think is, it's going to be critical for uh, everyone involved so that we could, you know, drive towards healthier outcomes and be fiscally responsible. Well put. So uh, we always like to wrap up with getting some advice from our guests to our uh, learning audience. And, you know, you, you started this interview telling us about how you didn't start out thinking about health insurance as your, where you're going to go with your career. So, you know, talk a little bit about that, maybe that mindset of being open to opportunities or anything else you want to uh, get across to our audience. You know, I, I mean, you know, for, for myself, it really, I'm lucky in the sense that I knew that I want to make some sort of positive impact. I didn't know how, quite frankly, I didn't know how at that point my my experience and skill set was really more in the finance aspect of the world. I could not have seen 15 years later <laughs> that I've done kind of these things that I've done. But the, the kind of the lesson that I got out of this, or you know, one of the many lessons I got was um, I, I just kept doing new things. And I think every every position I had, I never done that job before in healthcare. Wow. Someone, someone was uh, willing to take a risk on me and give me the opportunity. And I took it, I dived in and made plenty of mistakes. I learned as much as I could. And then I went on to you know, the next opportunity and just kept effectively learning as much as I could while not realizing it, but starting to understand different aspects of, in my case, kind of how managed care works. And lo and behold, you know, I think it was, you know, call it 11, you know, four or five years ago, um, I reached a point where I was able and lucky enough to be able to get investors who were willing to back, you know, back the concept and idea of what we we're doing so that I could try to put it all together. And um, not to say that everyone should be a founder of a company. That's pretty crazy right. launching a company from scratch, but I do think that, especially for the audience who's listening to this, there's so much opportunity for improvement out there. I would just say keep doing things that you haven't done before and keep learning because the connections that you make when you have what looks like a a random or weird background, uh, when when you get the right experiences in place, it does give you really profound insights that, quite frankly, most people never get. And that's going to put you in a position to be able to do, you know, probably really interesting, if not impactful work. 
Right. You can see how the dots connect in hindsight. <laughs> but at yeah. the time, you're like, this does seem like a random thing or it's taking me off my path. But usually the, the right answer is to say yes to an opportunity. That's, that's right. Well, listen, it's been wonderful to have you on the program. And we really appreciate you taking the time to be with us today and fill us in on what you're doing with Clever Care. Thank you so much, Michael. I'm Michael Carice. Thanks for checking out today's show. And remember to do your part to raise the line and strengthen the healthcare system. We're all in this together. If you like this podcast, please share it on your social channels. You can also subscribe to the series and check out all of our episodes at osmosis.org slash raise the line podcast. Mm-hmm.